Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm so glad you are joining us again for the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I am joined here by Jordan. Hello. Again. Hey, hey girl. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are now, what is this? Our second episode that we're actually recording, which is very exciting, by the way. I don't, I don't know if you feel that way. So we're going to be, we're going to be launching this. And this week we decided we were going to talk about medications, not the super sexiest of conversations, but it's one that as technicians, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I talk about it all the time with clients. Yeah. I think it's key to kind of try to just get extra helpful tips on like how to discuss medications with clients. So it's more, it's more based on that versus actual like drugs and drug names and uses and stuff more just about client communication. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to talk about drugs and uses. There's, there's other stuff for that, but the, the common, you know, things that clients will talk to me about is, you know, how do I get the meds in and, and where do I get medications and, you know, are there options for medications? So I think that's, that's really where today's discussion will be going and we'll, we'll try to, you know, share some some tips as well as um, things to remember to consider and also things to remember to tell owners because I don't know about you, but I sometimes forget that things aren't super intuitive for owners and I have to get reminded occasionally. Yeah. It, it's hard to, or hard, it's easy to get lost in um, how simple it seems to be for us to go through the motions of just medicating an animal and how difficult that could be. My husband quickly you know, points out that he does not catch on to that stuff as quickly as I'm just spilling it out of my mouth. So <laughs> yeah, uh, significant others are great for pointing out what uh, you're an expert in and you're talking to someone who doesn't know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my husband yeah. does that too. It's really funny. But that leads us into our next subject. How to get oral medications into pets, I suppose, is where we should start. Um, just from the basics of people always want to hide it in food. And I don't know about you, but from an internist standpoint, that's not always the best option. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, my internists, we, they pretty much refuse to do that. Unless of course it's something like, you know, Fortiflora yeah. or um, Tylosin. I mean, it's a horrible idea because you know, we don't want our pets to start associating the food with medications, especially because most of the times the pets that we see are, are picky eaters anyways. Yeah, they're already in for some sort of GI disease usually, so. Well, most of the times for us. Yeah, right? definitely. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there and you work in a general practice, sometimes you don't have as much. But I, I actually think even when I was in general practice, we had tons of animals that were coming in because they had a little gastric upset, right? Yeah. A little vomiting, diarrhea, you give some sub fluids, you give an injection of an anti-nausea, they go home and have a great day. I guess, I guess GI stuff is common yeah. in general practice as well. It's too. probably, it's probably pretty relevant. It feels like it's been so long since I've been in general practice, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, excuse me as I say that I haven't been in general practice in over 10 years. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, at least mine's about five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a little further out from general practice. Whoops. Yeah. So by the way, people listening out there, texts that are listening out there, uh, please let us know. There's going to be comments on our, on our webpage. Um, please let us know if, you know, we uh, forget that we're not in general practice and you want us to explain something. We'd be, we'd be happy to talk about that too. So yeah, definitely. It's something that we <laughs> probably tend to easily do. Yeah. But, but one big thing is I hear this almost almost every week where somebody's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I just put that food in the medication. I crush up the pills and I put it, put it in their food. And you know, it's, it's he, most of the times he eats it. And I'm just like, especially with things like antibiotics, like I, oh, yeah. that's a horrible idea because you don't know if they're getting their full dose. And there are medications like especially uh, Batril or Enrofloxacin that are, you know, you have to have that full dose at one time for it to be effective. So if you're putting, you know, the, the, I'm just using Batril as an example, but if you're putting Batril in food and let's say fluffy, because everything is named fluffy, right? Yeah. Let's say, let's say fluffy takes four hours to eat this, right? Well, now instead of getting that, that pulse dose of Batril at one time, we're giving it over four hours, which if you remember pharmacokinetics and dynamics and all that stuff, not that I really want to remember that, that changes it. I'll give the example of what I mean by this is like you're at the club and you just ordered five shots of tequila, right? Do you want to take the one shot of tequila or are you taking all five of them at once? Or are you spreading all five of them over five hours? Like it, it, it's different. So gets in your bloodstream. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very interesting example. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, most people understand alcohol. Yeah, and no, so it makes complete I sense. Relate, <laughs> I, relate, I relate medications to alcohol. What? Well, if we're all vet what? techs, we can definitely relate to alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> or we have our sloppy drunk friend that we hang out with. Yeah, that too, that too. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. But most technicians, we go out and party. It definitely can make it difficult giving those medications up because some of those pills are so big. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially Batril, if we're going to be on the topic of Batril. Um, <laughs> those yeah. taste tablets are huge and not tasty. Not tasty. I don't know any animal that eats it. Well, I, I don't... think probably a black or a yellow lab, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, what don't put it in food is basically what we're saying and what because what happens to it another thing that can happen is food aversion especially cats please for the love of god do not put medications in their food because they're picky as it is and so having them associate a food with with a medication especially a bad tasting one can make it so that they don't eat and that's especially with cats, that's a big deal. I think putting it in some sort of like treat or like a separate food meal. I've had people put it in like yogurt or cottage cheese and that seems to work fine as long as you discuss with your veterinarian who prescribed it that that's okay, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they don't have food allergies or sensitivities. Yeah, because that, that definitely needs to be with a prescription diet. If that were the case, like longstanding IBD mm-hmm. dogs and cats tend to have specific food diets that they need. Um, Mm -hmm. So trying to just wrap up a piece of 
or wrap up a pill in a piece of ham is probably not ideal. So no. you definitely need to get a thorough history when it comes to finding out how to best recommend getting meds into your patient. Yeah. And, and some of those options, especially if they're on a prescription diet, is using the wet food. And I say create a little meatball with that wet food. And most of the times dogs are happy about it. Cats, I don't know. Yeah. Some, some cats, not many, some cats eat food and pills, pockets and things, um, or pill wraps, excuse me. Yeah. And, and using, I don't know if you guys use the pill wraps or the pill pockets. Mm -hmm. I usually make like one go for three tablets or pills or whatever. Cause I think there's, it's almost too much of the stuff, but yeah. Yeah. The cool thing about those is it helps it slide down the esophagus, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times you can get things in with that. The other thing... If not, I was going to say, yeah, gel capsules tend to work well for me too. The ones that like you can just buy empty gel capsules on like Amazon or other like online holistic stores. Some pharmacies carry them. I know the pharmacy down the street from Mm -hmm. us carries like you can just go buy a bag of 100 for pretty cheap and you can stick small pills into, into a gel capsule. And sometimes that's easier to give a patient, especially if you're going to try to pill them with it, doesn't seem to, it seems to go down a little bit easier. Yeah. The one thing about gel caps too, just to remember is you want to follow it with either food or water mm-hmm. because the gel caps can sometimes stick on the way down and, and you don't want that to like stay in the esophagus and cause like esophagitis or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. And then we do a lot of compounding. Um, I know Transdermals are hit or miss on if they actually do work. So you definitely have to look into which medications are not recommended to be compounded into transdermal. I think there is the, like the pharmacy association, there's, um, they have their formularies and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So a lot of times they know what can be compounded and what can't. And you want to make sure that if you're doing compounding, well, not if you're doing, but if you're sending in medications to be compounded, that it's a reputable pharmacy. Yeah, definitely. Um, really stringent guidelines for that. Yeah. Um, or any compounded medication, really just, we compound a lot of liquids. We usually tend to ask our clients, like, do you prefer to try liquids or pills? And surprisingly, a lot of people do prefer pills, um, which I, I 100% get because I feel like I would prefer pills with some of my pets, but. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But cats, I feel like should always be liquid, but <laughs> I don't know. It's funny because I have my cats here and one of them I can pill, like I basically throw it at her and she swallows it. Whereas my other cat, I, I try to pill him and he acts like I'm killing him. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I really think it depends on the cat. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too, which I thought was interesting is I had a rep. I don't know if you guys use Entice. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of feedback from our clients that the entice is bitter and they don't, the pets don't like the taste of it. Yeah, I've tasted it. It's, it's like weirdly sweet. <laughs> you did not yes. taste it. Oh my God. I have to, like, I can't. It's just. You realize you're putting this out in the public forum that you just tried entice. Well, because the first time I gave it, a dog like salivated like crazy after. And so I was oh. like, why? And it's sticky and syrupy like. And so I tasted it and it's like weirdly super sweet, but then yet bitter at the same time. It's not very good. I don't, it, it's a little disappointing. Well, so one of the cool things about, about it, it or not about it, but um, for my rep, he actually said that if you have a dose of it, you can put it in a gel cap oh, nice. and then just 
give it to the animal really quickly. So you just basically put it in, close it, get it into the animal. So it masks the taste, mm -hmm. but they're still getting it. You just don't, obviously you're not pre-filling these capsules with liquid medications, but you know, if, if you're having trouble that I thought that was really cool. Actually, I was like, Oh, I could put liquid inside a capsule. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Actually. The other thing is there are some medications that are dissolvable. I kind of have found out with some of them which ones are just because we have like feeding tube pets mm -hmm. and I personally prefer to use the feeding tube if I'm going to have to give medications to an animal with a feeding tube. Yeah, definitely. And so like things like Serenia, the Meripitin citrate, mm -hmm. those dissolve really quickly in water. So that's an option too. Like if you're having trouble getting that into like a cat um, you know, for using it off label with cats, which we do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you know, if you're having trouble pilling them, you can dissolve it in water and get it into them. But again, just making sure with the taste of things. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's the, well, I mean, cause I'd rather have a cat taste Serenia versus giving the injection, but <laughs> One of the other things too, I don't, uh, do you guys use Wedgwood Pharmacy? Yes, I, I do like Wedgwood just because they are reputable and they bill and ship to the client. So it takes us out of the equation. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that part of it. So they have a really funny video on their website. Um, it's for clients to, and it shows how to give medications. I, I highly recommend you guys check it out because it is, it makes me laugh. It's, it's kind of this fifties housewife and she's like figuring out how to give medications. And then the, like the host is talking. I died the first time I saw it. So if you like really cheesy and funny, I definitely recommend it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that. So we'll definitely have to take a look at that one. I know a couple things that we try to do with some, some clients, you have to kind of feel them out, but at times, depending on the situation, we will teach clients to give injectable medications like dexamethasone, sub-Q, um, for patients that really just cannot take anything orally, like we have severe stomatitis kitty cats, um, mm. or just painful esophagus, just unusual reasonings behind it sometimes, or they're just bad. And they prefer to give injectable, but that's always a go-to too is to teach clients how to give injectable meds. We we've actually we had a dog with really bad PLE, so protein losing enteropathy. And her guts were so bad that she wasn't absorbing the pred that we were giving orally. Mm. So we ended up doing dexamethasone injections mm. and she did remarkably better. So yeah, you know, that's Obviously not our preferred method to give injections, but it's definitely something that we can do. And, and honestly, like knowing how to, knowing how to show clients how to do injections is huge. Well, yeah. Cause especially like in general practice, you can get a lot of diabetics. So that's, it, it should be kind of a common practice in general practice is to show clients how to give injectable medications, whether it be with a standard syringe or an insulin syringe, how to draw up medications and then give sub Q. I was going to say, and not only that, but sub-Q fluids, yeah, right? Exactly. So we, I, I think we're probably all fairly comfortable with it. Definitely. I don't know about you guys in, cause you're, you're in Georgia, right? Mm -hmm. So in California, cause California is strict about everything. We have to, our sharps disposal, we can't just throw sharps in the regular trash. So one of the things we have to do is 
or we should do, I don't think everybody does this, is we should talk to them about proper sharps disposal. So I created like a client handout for my clients that just talked about, you know, where do you get a sharps disposal bucket? What do you do with it once it's gone? So, um, you know, and making sure that they understand sharps handling, right? Yeah, definitely. Don't want them poking themselves. So ideally, you know, they do the first injection in the hospital and, or you have a stuffed animal that you're. Yeah. And I, I I find it helpful when giving those demonstrations, try different positions, try having, showing the client how to give an injection with someone else holding the pet. So then they're just giving the injection and then show them again, how to do it on their own. So for some reason they don't have someone there to help hold the cat or dog that day or that morning for that insulin injection, show them multiple different methods. So that way it's not just a standard across the board because no pet is standard. Um, right. So yeah, exactly. I find it helpful to kind of go through a couple of different scenarios for that. So the, the next kind of important part of the equation is timing of medications. Um, you would think that this is normal and easy, but I was, uh, one of my clients surprised me. I know because I wrote the prescription label. So it's not like the prescription label was written by someone else, but um, I literally put on the label, give one capsule orally every 12 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, okay, so I, I gave it, I give it once a day. And I was like, but it's every 12 hours. Oh, honey. And she was like, well, yeah, I give it once a day in the morning. And I was like, but it's every 12 hours. It's, it's, it's twice a day. Yeah. Obviously, that's an extreme. She was one of those housewives that I think may have been taking her kids Vicodin, but, or not Vicodin. What's the other one? Ritalin. Adderall. One of those. See, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, oh, okay, great. So (laughs) it's really important to make sure your clients understand how frequently they're giving the medications. Also, if there's medications that are not allowed to be together, yes. you know, like sucralfate. Um, yeah, that's the big one, yeah. right? Hopefully everybody knows, because I have to sometimes tell the clients this, right? Like sucralfate is a coating medication. Mm-hmm. So what it does is it coats the esophagus if it's liquid. If it's not liquid, if it's tablets, it once it starts dissolving, you know, it coats the stomach, the intestines. That's that's what it's there for. What happens is once it's coating, it's not going to let anything else absorb. And that includes food. That includes other medications. So it's really important to not give any other medications or food when you're giving sucralfate. I think my, my internist says an hour before or two hours after. Yeah, that's what we do. And if that's confusing, sometimes we'll just say two hours before or after just to make it easier on people. Have you had any feedback from any of your clients uh, with sucralfate where it actually comes out the other end whole? Yes. Yeah, so we started just giving all sucralfate already in a slurry, knowing that it's going to coat the esophagus as well. But we do find that it coats the stomach better because we've actually done a scope before where the dog got a tablet of sucralfate probably 12 hours prior and it was still sitting in the stomach tablet form. So really? Yeah. Well, obviously because it was still sitting in the stomach, the dog had some other GI issues, but it wasn't dissolving like it should. So yeah, we dissolve it it now every time. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We've had clients be like, Oh yeah, it just came out the other end. And I was like, no way. I thought they were crazy until we kind of 
I talked to my doctor and she's like, oh yeah, I've heard that from other clients too. So if you can dissolve it, great. If not the liquid, I'm not a giant fan of the liquid that we have in my hospital mm-hmm. um, because it's such a large volume. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's like cherry flavored and I'm like, nobody wants cherry flavored chalk. Like, ugh. yeah. Plus I feel like you have more control over like if you cut a tablet in half and then you just mix it with a little bit of water versus like you really have to shake the the suspension really well just to be sure that it's like mm. all the same consistency and dosing. Yeah. Yeah. Very, that's very true. Yeah. The other thing too is like foods that need to be on an empty stomach versus given with food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- those are issues, but yeah, the big ones are like making sure they know which ones are going to interact with each other. Yeah. Well, and then making sure too, I have had a lot of clients come in and say, well, I couldn't get this. Well, you, you already kind of touched on it with the, the Batril, but like about it being cut. So they give it a quarter at a time and people do it with Denimarin. Well, they'll give half a tablet before breakfast and then half a tablet later in the evening and Denimarin can't be cut. Otherwise it doesn't work. Um, right. So I think being sure that you, yeah. So I think being sure that you just communicate with your clients on no, these medications really can't be crushed up or cut, or yes, this one can be, this one should be given with food. It's a lot of client communication. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully everyone feels comfortable talking to their clients, but I always tell like my, my baby techs that I work with sometimes that clients talk to us differently than they do the veterinarians. Mm -hmm. Um, and we talk to them sometimes. Well, <laughs> I definitely talk differently to my clients than my my veterinarian does, because she's she's very smart. Mm-hmm. She's she's uber smart, and I think you know she sometimes forgets to not use doctor words when talking to clients. Clients will hear things differently from us versus you know a doctor versus you know their their friends too. So we're we're a huge part of making sure that they understand. Yeah, exactly. Frankly, I'd, I'd prefer people to ask me how to give something versus not being sure and Googling it. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. So, although, I, you know, we're going to be out there, but don't Google, but you can use reputable websites. Yes, yes definitely. <laughs> and some how-to videos and all that good stuff. We're working on that at, as of this recording, which is September, 2019, which you know, before it's actually live, we're working, we're going to be working on videos for how to, we just haven't done it yet, but hopefully, you know, keep an eye out on the website and we'll, we'll let you know as soon as that is available. Yeah. And Um, I, and I found too, I mean, even without the how to videos, I made some like how to sheets. So like I made how to give insulin injection uh, handouts with my own dog that I just gave water to obviously sterile water. And I think just kind of taking initiative when you find that you're having the same conversation over and over and over again, and you just want to break it down and make it simple, take it upon yourself to just make a how-to sheet. And we also, we'll put some on the website too. So internal medicine for pet parents, if you go to the website there, we have client handouts. Mm -hmm. And so just check to see which ones we have that'll work for you because, you know, sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel, just find a you know, something that works for you and use it. Yeah. And if you think of something that you want a how-to sheet on, but you don't really know how to go about it, just email us, reach out to us. And I'm sure that either Ivana or I can make one. Oh, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Kind of one of my favorite yes. things to do is to make how-to sheets. <laughs> yeah. We, we do a lot of that around yeah. here. Yeah. And, and with actually with how-to 
speaking of, remember medications that are timing specific. So diabetic patients, uh, thyroid, Cushing's pets, make sure they're getting their medications at normal times, especially prior to an office visit. Mm -hmm. Ask the owner specifically, one, did they get their medications and what time did they get their medications? And two, did they eat that day? Because that can affect lab work. And so that's huge. So making sure to, to confirm with an owner if they've given that medication can make it so we either redo the appointment, schedule it for another day, or we go, okay, we're good. We can still do the things that we need to do. So that's, that's another big part yeah, of our yeah. intake you know, the, prior. The goal is to not waste clients' money. Um, so finding out that they didn't give their thyroid med or their veteral prior to coming in for for a recheck is pretty disappointing when you're like, why are these values all wacky? And then the doctor finds well, out and, and then they're upset. Or, or worse comes to worse, the doctor never finds out. And then they're adjusting dosages exactly. of things that yeah. are either too much or not enough because they didn't give medication. So it's, it's really important that we, we get that information when a, when a pet's coming yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's our job. That's what we are there to do is to catch little things like that. And again, just really make it kind of seamless for doctor and client. So yeah, definitely. The other thing, and we won't go into this in huge depth right now, but we, um, we will at some point is, uh, making sure that if there's medications that we follow it with food and water, make sure it gets out of the esophagus there. There was actually a study that was, uh, or an, yeah, a study that was published by ACBIM. It was done at Auburn university that actually looked at cats and they did fluoroscopy on these cats, which is really cool, actually. So they did fluoroscopy where they gave a tablet and then they took the image to see how long it took from getting into the mouth and into the stomach. And over half of these cats took over 10 minutes for the tablet to go from the mouth to the stomach, which is crazy. Yeah, um, that's unreal. Yeah. And so what they did to see, they were like, okay, well, how do we, how do we shorten that? Because there's plenty of medications that can cause esophagitis, cause strictures, you know, doxycycline is a big one. And I thought this was kind of cool is that they used a small, tiny amount of butter applied to the tablet. And these tablets pass in less than a minute. Which is crazy because it's, I don't know, it seems so simple. It seems like such a simple idea yet. Like, I don't, I don't think I've ever thought to use butter, but again, I work for an internist. So butter's like off off the table. (laughs) Butter's off the table at my, my place too. But I think, I think it was just making it so the tablets were slick. Yeah. It wasn't like a sufficient amount to cause any other issues. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is you're stimulating the cat to lick, right? Yes. So even like, uh, I think they were talking about NutriCal as well. Um, you could put it on the, the nose and that helped. So it's other things that encourages them to lick is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you want to get the whole system moving, not just pop it down there and then hope that the esophagus is going to do its job. The cat needs to swallow and, you know, really move that pill down into the stomach. Yeah. And if it's a sticky, like, especially, especially capsules, right. That's going to stick. Yes. I don't know if you guys have ever had a pill stick in the back of your throat and you're just like, ah, it's stuck. And then you have to drink water and get it down. Is that just, yeah. is that just me? I mean, I suppose it doesn't happen super often. Great. So I'm old and these things happen. Just, you know, 
things getting stuck on the way down. That's what <laughs> you mean, need to look forward was... to, Jordan. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> my husband thought he was dying once because like his vitamin got stuck. So, <laughs> well, I would feel the same way. So, where do we get these medications that we so frequently prescribe and want to kind of help the client? Obviously, convenient would be from the clinic itself, but sometimes that's not always possible. We have a local compounding pharmacy that we use probably daily. Oh, wow. Um, for those patients who really prefer liquid and the ones that we know can be liquid, we, we prescribe a lot of the same things. But yeah, so we use a local, like small in town compounding pharmacy a lot, which is nice. That's cool. It's nice yeah. to keep it local too. Cause then, you know, most of the times you can call ahead of time and, and say, oh, yeah, a day or two. But if, if you need it really quickly, like if you needed it stat for something, if you have that relationship, that's yes. awesome. Yeah, they're very, very nice. There's so many times where I call in the morning and I'm like, I have a patient in the hospital who needs this aspirin now. And they're very good about it. So, nice. <laughs> but yeah, getting it at the, in the clinic is, tends to be more convenient and, and cheaper. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know about you guys, but we use on Dancitron a ton. And yes. And that's much cheaper. Yeah. Like at my clinic and, and I work in a specialty clinic, but even at my clinic, you know, I can get a month's supply for like, I don't know, 30 bucks or something through, through my pharmacy. And that's included the typical, you know, veterinary pharmacy markup. But I've had clients go to my local, you know, Safeway or Walgreens or whatever. And they're talking like hundreds of dollars for this medication. Yeah. Yeah. And we always have to call them. We're like, no generic. A lot of the pharmacies will be like, no, that is generic. It's $120 for the generic and $300 for a brand name. So, right. Yeah. So for us, it's like, we never prescribe that one out. We just say, get no. it here, get it here. It's way cheaper, um, which is yeah. crazy. Cause it's usually not that way. Oh, cause a lot of times, like I know a lot of the pharmacies around us, like Walmart tends to be cheaper, Costco, Sam's club. Those tend to be a lot of the, the cheaper ones to get some of those more expensive drugs. And a lot of those pharmacies are now doing veterinary drugs. Mm. Yeah, we've we had more pharmacies for a while around us that were doing veterinary drugs, but it's kind of pulled back a little bit. Yeah. But I don't know if you guys use it, but um goodrx.com, uh goodrx.com slash pets. Yeah. That's huge. You can type in the medication and see about how much it would be at the different pharmacies. And if you have not used this website before, by the way, everyone out there. I highly recommend it because it's insane the difference between the different pharmacies and what they will charge for medications. I Yeah, I have the app on my phone so I can show clients when I go in a room and I'm like, well, we're prescribing this. Here's where you can find it for these prices. But you do have to be careful and look at the bottom of some of those coupon codes because it, sometimes it'll say not for pet use. Mm-hmm. But I love the app. The app is great. Yeah, but it also, I mean... I, I don't, I actually don't have the app, so I might have to go check that out. <laughs> but I use the website and even then it'll tell you like the price of the medication before their discount. So you kind of mm-hmm. get an idea of which place is going to be least expensive too. And that's going to be for your local pharmacies. Yeah. I think that's a nice like thing that you can do. You can spend five seconds looking up a drug on GoodRx for clients and they seem to really like it. It gives them less running around to do to know that they can just go over to CVS and it's 50 cents cheaper. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things too. So you have Costco by you. 
Yes. Okay. I think it's I think it's nationwide. I don't know if Costco's out of the United States yet. I wouldn't be surprised because it's Costco. But one of the cool things, and I tell this to my clients all the time, you can shop in the pharmacy and not have a membership, which is cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't think I did. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. A lot of people will go to Sam's Club for stuff, but you have to have a membership there. Yeah. So, and, and, and I don't, I mean, hopefully that's not just a California thing, but I know in California specifically, you can go into the pharmacy. So basically you go to the door and say, I'm just here for the pharmacy. And you could go to the pharmacy, get the medication. You don't have to be a member. The price is a little bit more expensive for non-members, but it's not, it's not a huge jump. I'm, I've never seen it be more than like a couple of bucks difference. But yeah, yeah, that's definitely nice. Yeah. I know we talked about what. Wedgewood Diamondback earlier. Um, yeah, used- so online compounding pharmacies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are nice too. I like the Wedgewood just because I can do it online and I don't actually have to call and speak to anybody. But <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, for us, we used more Diamondback pharmacies, but in this is again September 2019, they are in the process of merging Wedgewood and Diamondback. Mm-hmm. And they're online portals I think are supposed to merge in October or November this year. And so I don't know how easy it's going to be to use. I don't, I don't know how, so I don't know about you, but we use Diamondback because we had multiple doctors under there and we could order with whichever, under whichever doctor versus Wedgwood. It looks like you have to have a doctor specific account, which is difficult because I literally have 20 doctors in my building. So that's a pain for me. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, I haven't used Wedgwood in a, a minute, but I think all the ones that we've used recently are just like refill requests. So I can't think of a new one that I've called in recently where the, the doctor would have been issue. But yeah, and I've, I've used yeah. Road Runner sometimes and, and they're pretty good. But Wedgwood was always my go-to. Yeah. If I couldn't get it around the corner at our local compounding pharmacy, usually. Yeah. We, um, our local, it's not super local, but it, I mean, if we need it same day, we can usually get it. But we did a lot of like the online pharmacies. Yeah. Oh, uh, the other thing. So I, I don't know if you guys know about this, but um, specifically for erythropoietin, do you guys use erythropoietin? You, get, you must use erythropoietin for your... Yes. Your, we've yeah. we've gotten darbopoietin recently. We, there's a hospital around the corner that that we can go and buy it from. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, Darb, Dar- actually, yeah. Darby Putin, uh, Erythropoietin used to be the, the old name. So Darby, if you have pets that are on Darby, if you go to the Walmart specialty pharmacy, so not the regular pharmacy, so Walmart specialty pharmacy online, they can get Darbopoietin for you. And it's significantly less expensive compared to like places we can get it. I don't know about you. We can get individual bottles for, I think Dar- through Walmart was like $250. Oh yeah, that's much better. Because I want to say last time I bought it, it was like 400 and something. Oh yeah, definitely check out Walmart Specialty Pharmacy. Cause, and the great thing is they ship it directly to the client. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Warning. Definitely warn your clients because uh, my cat was on it and I didn't know this, but the first package arrived and it was in a giant box and it had the, because it's cold, it needs to be refrigerated. So it had the giant styrofoam in the box plus a bunch of ice packs. And it's, everybody knows how big it is. It's a one mil bottle. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was in this two foot by three foot box. So, well, maybe not that big. It was probably two feet by two feet. But either way, it's a one mil bottle, <laughs> giant box. So warn your clients. But it's way less expensive than any of the places that, that we were able to find it at. So Yeah, that, that's the medication a lot of techs are nervous to give because it's liquid gold. So you can't, <laughs> you can't miss. Like it's just a sub-Q injection, but like somehow that's the one that always gets like squirted out the other side. <laughs> like Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I always used an insulin syringe yes. for dosing it because I didn't want the hub loss. So I used the U100 insulin syringes and just... Yeah. Which 10 units equals 0.1 mils. So that was a helpful 100. hint. Yep. That was a helpful hint when I worked, well, when I started working in internal medicine, it makes it easier for those like tiny little pets who um, get those medications that are like 0.05 mils. Yeah. yeah. Which is five units on a U100. I love using the U100 syringes for small amounts of medications. I I also use them for blood draws, but that's a whole other story. Yes. Well, <laughs> well that's when you, you're doing like just PCV platelets on an extremely anemic patient. So yeah. yes, yeah. we do that all the time. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that on another episode in the future. <laughs> I think we, we, I think we kind of talked about proper. Well, proper handling. Yeah, I mean, it's just more back to the client communication, fridge versus no fridge with food, without food. Oh, immunosuppressant medications that need to be given with gloves. We give gloves to clients and then tell them where to go buy more gloves yeah, so they and, can give medications. Yeah, and one thing that I started realizing is we have latex gloves at our cl- our clinic. Um, I, think yeah. we're, I think we're finally switching over to non-latex. But just remember if you're sending them home to ask the client if they have a latex allergy or anybody who might be using it because that would not be good. <laughs> if you're like, yeah. here's some gloves you're allergic to, be careful on that one. Did we mention Plums is a great resource for medication? Information I don't just think we talked about Plums yet. Okay. So I don't know why someone wouldn't be familiar with Plums Veneri, um that works in our field. If you're not familiar with it, you must be new. <laughs> but, but Plum's Veneri is the drug handbook. It's it's the drug Bible. If you're not familiar with their website, they have an amazing website that hopefully your clinic or your doctor, or if you really want to spring for it, can buy, like purchase the membership. I think it's a membership. But basically yeah. what it does is it gives you access to their handouts they just recently this year, because of California, yay, go California, because it is now required in the state of California for clients to have um, medication education, including medication handouts. So they revamped all their handouts on the different drugs. So you can literally search their database for any of the medications on their, in their book and print out a client handout, which is awesome. It's such it's such a great resource, honestly. Yeah. And it's it's just good to kind of go through and learn yourself too, especially if you're new to the field or if you just, you're kind of stagnant in where you're at and you want to kind of learn more. I just mm-hmm. pick up the plums and try to figure out like, oh, I, we've been giving this medication semi-wrong or it's been given it, you know, incorrectly in the past and you just want to try to get a better handle on 
that, especially if you're like in charge of ordering medications, I find it a lot easier to understand the ordering process if you understand why you're giving a medication. So I feel like it's always good mm. to just to a little, a little bit of light reading on your lunch break, you know, <laughs> those things that we have to do. That's <laughs> what I love to do. Just look at some drug resources. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wants to do that, right? <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Drug drug handouts are not what I'm going to be reading on my lunch break. You get a lunch break? <laughs> I mean, not all, Yes. Wait, I'm in the state of California. <laughs> yes. I always have a lunch break and I get my 10-minute breaks scheduled every four hours. Right. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. So does every other technician in the world. Yes. Nobody ever skips any breaks and never do we ever work off the clock or past our scheduled time. No, exactly. So moving on, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of ordering when I do order more drugs and stuff. I like the stickers, like the oh, Shake yeah. Well or Keep Refrigerated or Light Protected stickers are my favorite just because people tend to not listen when they're frantic about their pet. And then when they get home, they're like, oh yeah, this is supposed to go in the fridge. <laughs> Oh my God. Seriously. Yeah. Stickers are great. Um, we use them all the time at my clinic too. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, I also have 48 hour, please call ahead 48 hours to refill. People ooh, don't really listen to that sticker, but. Ours is 24 hours and they never listen. They walk in and they're like, I need a refill of this. And I'm like, what? 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 Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's my favorite. I need it right now. I'm going out of town in five minutes. Yeah. Or, oh, I used the last of my insulin this morning. Can you refill it? And I'm like, what? I bet you general practice gets like the brunt of all that. (laughs) We're sorry. Thank you people that work in general practice for dealing with a lot of this stuff before we have to deal with it. I really do appreciate it because I remember general practice was much worse about it. Yes. Yeah. That was constantly like a, especially like Hartman flea prevention that stuff that we don't sell anymore. Yeah. I I don't know about you, but I know none of the new products. So no, when I, clients I ask clue. me, I'm like, I don't know. You should talk to your primary veterinarian about that. Just kind yes, of. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I could grab the plums, but that's not happening. Right. Light reading again. <laughs> it's, it's pretty simple. So I think what this entire episode, episode was supposed to kind of break down to is just client education, know what to talk to your clients about just to make your job easier and make it easier on the clients going home when they are frantic about their dog having diarrhea. Mm -hmm. So side effects to watch out for with some medications, obviously like those wonderful steroids that cause excessive eating and drinking and peeing and panting Mm -hmm. that people will always call and complain about. And then of course the handouts that we talked about that you can give to clients. And then the cautions, like esophageal strictures, food aversion was a big one. Aspiration pneumonia, we didn't really touch on, but it could be, especially if you're trying to get a non-compliant pet to take something and you're squirting water in the mouth to try to get the medication to go down. Aspiration pneumonia is something that you have to look out for. And then of course, biting and stuff. Pets don't like shoving their hands in their mouth. When we're talking about bites, um, it's it's a good idea to warn clients about that. I've had pe- pets that are diabetic that just really were averse to the injections. And so clients had to buy an e-collar 
or they used a muzzle or they did the large blanket, some sort of distraction technique. Maybe they're eating and we give the injection or, you know, those, those animals that are just really adverse to medications coming at them, you know, behavioral training can help with that, but you know, we do the best that we can. We make sure our clients stay safe um, and hopefully they know what to look for and, and not get bit. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like, just give multiple different scenario demonstrations. If you're demoing how to give something, do it with another person holding, with yourself holding, um, with a towel, with a muzzle, distraction techniques. Just try to kind of cover all grounds for every situation because pets act different in the hospital um, than they do at home. It's definitely helpful to kind of cover all those bases. Yep. We also kind of touched on the fact that we need to make sure that owners know how to safely cap needles, get rid of the sharps properly. So making sure they don't get injured client education again. Yes. Um, And techs are really good about that. And, and I think another thing too, is just remind clients that if they're having trouble, they can give you a call and talk to you, or they can come back into the clinic and get another demo. Right. So just make sure that they feel comfortable with being able to do that is huge too. Yeah. And utilize your technician appointments. Um, You know, that's what they're there for. I know not every veterinary technician is keen on like the client communication aspect of it, but it is a big part of our jobs. Oh, hundred percent agree. (laughs) It's the tip of the week. Tip of the week though, that I learned was the butter to help pass medications. Yeah. I, I think that is crazy. And I think it's amazing that they did a study. So butter or some other substance like NutriCal that, that yeah, so that there. was a pretty good one. Um, and then of course you have your pill pocket, it's pet pillars. And then of course the good RX download the app. It's super helpful. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely checking that out. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like coupons at your fingertips. It's great. <laughs> And then we're going to we're going to put resources on the the website as well as our show notes so you'll have all the links of the stuff that we talked about um some stuff that we recommend so like the pet pillar goodrx.com we'll put that on there we will also have the resources on there so internalmedicineforpetparents.com/pharmacies um we have a whole page dedicated to the different kinds of pharmacies we'll also put the link for the veterinary the plums veterinary um, online. So you guys can see that if you haven't seen it already, it's, it's pretty amazing. And we'll include some of the the different blog posts that we've done um, that you can also help with, with clients, um, get, get a little bit of um, client education. I think that covers just about anything and everything. Someone would want to know about medications, right? Who knew we could talk so much about meds <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> and not even actual medications, how to give meds. So I hope you guys got something out of this episode because I, I know I did preparing for this episode. I learned things, which is really cool. And, and it goes to show that I've been doing this for over 15 years and I'm still learning. So if, even if you've been in the field for much shorter, it is not a bad thing to keep continuing to learn. You know, that's part of the RVT motto. Um, so just make sure we continuously learn and, and get better and, make the lives of our pets and our clients better. So, Well, and if you're listening to this, that's a good start because um, I feel like hopefully we can gear some people towards learning a little bit more, hopefully teach people something new each time. Yeah. But- and now for the question of the week. 
So this week's question of the week, we're going to talk about medication. So what cool tip for client education or medicating pets can you share? So what have you talked to your clients about? We would love to know. So leave a comment at internalmedicineforvettechs.com slash podcast. This is also episode number two. So make sure to put a comment on there. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. I'm super excited that you um, are still with us since you you got to the end of the episode, which is awesome. And, you know, we will uh, keep uh, working and bring you guys more information for next week. Please let us know if there's anything else you'd like to know. You can drop us a line and or leave a comment on the show notes and we'll make sure to to do some shout outs next time too. Yay. Anything else you want to talk about, Jordan? Nope, that sounds good. Hopefully be talking to you all next week. Sounds awesome. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.